Hey, what's going on, you guys? Sorry for running a little late again. Um, could not find my earphones for the life of me, you know, like whenever you need. It seems like whenever you are in a rush, all of a sudden you're like keys, your phone disappears, and like a million other things you need to do uh, kind of are gone. Dennis, good to see you. Thanks for always jumping in on these. Um, I saw a few more other people jumped in. Good to see you guys. So today uh, we're going to be covering Randy. Hey, Randy, good to see you as always. Uh, let me know how your trip was. Um, we should probably do another podcast again pretty soon. I know it's been a while since we stopped training together, but I see you're keeping up with it and actually looking better and better month after month. Uh, Theo, good to see you as well. So uh, you guys, today we're going to be talking about um, how often a person should work out. I get this question often, and I bet you guys even ask this question to yourself from time to time. Should I be working out two days a week, three days a week, four, five, six days a week even? Um, and that's a good question. And we'll be kind of breaking down how to determine that today on this call. And uh, here's what we're going to do. So basically, I have my notes like I always do. That way, I don't forget as much as I would usually forget without these notes. Uh, although I'm pretty sure, Patrick, good to see you. Although I'm pretty sure I'll still forget stuff from time to time. So um, just like I do with all my lives, guys, when you take advice from people online or just even like sometimes even from a friend or something of that sort, you have to you have to take it with a grain of salt, especially with people online. And I'm even including myself in this conversation, not even excluding myself here, because inevitably the person giving out the advice, uh, he never met you, you know, so he never met you personally, unless it's alive like this and you can kind of shoot some questions back and forth that directly apply to you in your context. It's kind of tough for that person to give advice that's going to actually work for you. Uh, because there's so much like little individual variability from person to person and it's uh, the equivalent of like, let's say you go to a doctor and the doctor doesn't even talk to you, but he's like, here, just take this medication. And you're like, whoa, man, you, didn't, you don't even know me yet and you don't even know what my situation is. How are you prescribing this type of solution to me, this type of medication, for example? And it's the same exact thing with, um, with online advice. Even if they're very competent, uh, knowledgeable people in their field, the, the, the biggest disconnect is that they never met you personally and thus um, they don't know the intricate little details of what's holding you back from achieving your goal and the intricate little details of what's even motivating you to accomplish that goal, which are pivotal and super, super important to know uh, to provide a concrete solution for that specific individual. And uh, we're going to go over that here today. So first and foremost, context is key. Before giving advice, you got to know the context. So I'm going to give a few uh, different examples, like a few subjects, like test, test pilots, basically. And we're going to go down from them and determine their training frequency and at least how like I would go about, William, good to see you, and at least how like I would go about creating their training schedule. Uh, so let's say we have, uh, we did a thorough interview and remember, um, it's very important for your practitioner, whoever they are, whether they're, they're a doctor, PT, personal trainer, uh, diet, registered dietitian, nutritionist, etc., to do a thorough assessment before actually starting to coach you, okay? And a thorough assessment from, uh, from, from my background, especially kind of doing this for already 15 years or so, it takes around like two and a half to three hours minimum, okay? And, 
Uh, that's just what it takes to really get to know a person's behavior, their personality, what their problem is, and what they've usually done to create that problem. Because oftentimes it's the person causing their own problems. And so you have to change that person's behavior and their belief system. So, and also educate them thoroughly on whatever problem ABC is uh, so they can stop doing it to themselves basically. Because oftentimes that, that is the case, like literally 98% of the time, even if uh, Alex, good, Arturo, good to see you. Even if it's not their fault, like a car accident, for example, okay, now I have like a messed up neck and back. Most of the time it is the person's fault that keeps them in that pain. So maybe the accident itself wasn't their fault, but then it is the person that keeps themselves in that pain cycle for one reason or another. Usually it's just due to kind of lack of education or direction, um, hiring the wrong people, getting the wrong advice, et cetera, et cetera. So either way, it's, it's very important to get to know the person uh, through a thorough assessment process and exactly get to know like what is going on and what they're trying to accomplish. And I would say if you visit a doctor for the first time, it's the initial assessment that is, or you visit any other practitioner and um, they talk to you for like 10, 15 minutes and they already give you a solution. For me personally, that's a huge, huge red flag. And I would not hire that person, uh, especially if like you're going to a fitness studio and really the only thing they have you do is sign a waiver, ask you one or two quick questions and then throw you into a class of like 20 or 30 other people with uh, into the same program basically. So that's, that's personally the type of service I would personally avoid. And if you're looking for a concrete actual resolution to whatever issue you're having, that's probably something you would need to consider and avoid as well uh, and to think about. So let's say we did a thorough interview and I'm gonna just give two different examples of two different subjects. So let's say subject one, we have a male. So subject one, he's, um, he wants to lose, we determine he wants to lose 30 pounds. He has, and he wants to gain about five pounds, lose 30 pounds of muscle, gain about five pounds of, uh, I'm sorry, not lose 30 pounds of muscle. You don't wanna do that. Lose 30 pounds of body fat, gain about five pounds of muscle. And also through a proper spine assessment, uh, we determined that he has uh, a back pain, let's say a posterior lateral disc bulge to the L5. Um, that's dynamic and sporadic. It's not always, but it's here sometimes, there another time. And he has some intolerances to particularly like uh, compress compressive penalties and sheer stress on the spine. Uh, and, he, and he reported that, for example, just I'm throwing this out there as a random example, he reported that um, he has back pain when doing deadlifts and, and barbell back squats, for example, and some other exercises that create uh, excessive shear strain. Subject two, male, same age, okay? He also wants to lose 30 pounds of body fat and gain five pounds of muscle. And on the surface, obviously, these two subjects looks exact, look exactly roughly the same, but subject B doesn't have the back pain, for example. And also another thing to consider is let's say like usually I do this with all my clients and in subject A, the one with back pain, I have them do like an HAQ. Uh, it, it basically gives me uh, an overview of what's going on under the hood, under the skin. And let's say subject A, the one with the back pain that wants to lose 30 pounds, uh, his HAQ looks something like this, okay? This is just a random one. And you can see he has a lot of red scores, sorry, 
can't show that any more thoroughly. He has, you know, a lot of digestive issues. He has some liver issues. Uh, he has adrenal fatigue, you know, so he has some glucose regulation issues. Uh, he has depression, anxiety, anger is on the lower side. Uh, he has something going on with his immune system, so some type of seasonal allergies or something of that sort. And obviously he has the musoskeletal issues because he has the back pain. So we reported he had some muscle and nerve uh, issues, connective tissue issues, and then bone density issues as well. But let's say subject B, the one that's kind of a bit healthier, that wants to lose 30 pounds as well. Uh, he had like an HAQ like this, but let's just say they're all in the green, hypothetically, okay? And maybe one was in the yellow and one was in the red or something like that. But definitely not this many red scores. And, um, and he didn't have back pain. He didn't have any orthopedic issues, okay? So he's like uh, physically like doing pretty well outside of just having the excess body fat and all the symptoms that come with that. So these two uh, subjects, although their goal is to lose 30 pounds of body fat, which seems kind of uh, they should be on the same program, are actually going to be on completely different programs. And you would have never known that if if you wouldn't have done this kind of thorough assessment process and really dug deep on what is, uh, what's going on under the hood, where their starting point is, and then more importantly, they're like also their behavior and, and kind of what they, what they can tolerate, et cetera, et cetera. So this is why it's super important. And just like right here, it shows you like the online personality. Once again, I'm including myself in this conversation, not, not putting anyone on the spot. Never met a person. That's why it's hard for me to sometimes I get a lot of people reaching out to me online and they're like, what do I need to do for this? And um, that's the equivalent of basically saying like, oh, I don't know your situation, but give me a solution. You know, like I, like I mentioned in the beginning of the chat, the equivalent of uh, you go into the doctor's office, they don't even talk to you at all. And they're like, here, take these, take these medic medications. You know, it's like, whoa, I don't, you don't even know what's going on with me. Do I have high blood pressure? Maybe I just have a cut on my hand. Uh, do I have you know, some nausea or something like that, or maybe some knee pain, they don't even ask. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Context is key. And whenever you take advice, you have to be able to apply it in the appropriate context. Like the biggest one I get is like, oh, which exercise should I do um, for this A, B, and C? That literally, like, it doesn't matter even if I tell you the ideal exercise, because it's all about how you structure that exercise, frequency, intensity, rep range, rest intervals, how it fits into a macro, meso, and micro cycle. Uh, and all these little intricate details are important. And without knowing that, it's, it's literally useless. It's like I'm giving you a tool and you don't even know how to build the house. It's like, okay, what, yeah, that tool is used to build certain portions of the house for sure, but you don't even know how to construct the house. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's fairly useless. And then I feel it also provides like, um, false hope to the person because, oh, now I know the secret exercise and they go do it, but they probably do it incorrectly or they do, don't do it with the right frequency or intensity or allow enough biological adaptation, for example, and then injury happens and they're like, whoa, see, that's not the right exercise. Uh, there must be some other secret. No, that, that might have actually been a good exercise, a good tool for the job at hand, but just you don't, the person typically doesn't know how to apply it. Correctly. So once again, they're taking that information out of context and context is king. It determines whether you're actually going to be able to apply that information correctly. Sebastian, Doug, Elias, Hilbert, good to see you. So 
now we know a few things. We have two subjects. One subject wants to lose 30 pounds. He has a pretty bad HAQ, so he's he's kind of messed up. You know, he has a lot of um, a lot of burden on his body. You know, so he's going to be able to at least initially tolerate less of a routine. So we're getting a lot more clear answers now. He's going to be toler tolerating less of a. Uh, he can't work out. He's not healthy enough to work out six days a week with intensity or five days a week with intensity. There are small, small caveats to this, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, but the other sub, and he has back pain. So he had that, we determined through a spine assessment, he had that um, damage in the L5 disc. Typically, you know, you have a herniation or a bulge. Uh, what happens is over time, you know, that, that herniation gets metabolized by the body and the disc loses its height, you know, so the range of motion isn't the same. Sometimes the facets can uh, crash into each other if the spacing between uh, if the spacing between the vertebral bodies is more narrow, which could cause arthritic issues, especially making the person extension intolerant, possibly maybe even intolerant being a new neutral in a neutral position as well. Uh, it depends on, you know, how long that disc has been damaged for the degree of the damage and then also whether that person has been educated on spine hygiene uh, and a myriad of other things to help that disc heal or maintain that disc. But what I'm getting at is um, once the disc is damaged, it loses its height and, and that material, that nucleus proposis material kind of goes out and is metabolized by the body. It loses its height permanently. So that's it, you know, and that means the disc is just going to be less resilient or be able to bear less load and, and, uh, quantity of workouts probably for the rest of the person's life uh, of course they can still operate at a high level if you get good coaching uh, it's not an end-all uh, be-all you know it just takes time to rebuild that biological capacity and that resilience and to also desensitize the tissue uh, desensitize the intervertebral disc and sometimes it could take years uh, I'm not talking about months especially passive tissue typically gets a lot less blood flow so uh, inevitably the healing process is going to be much, much, much slower. Um, usually uh, if you have like a good size herniation in the disc, uh, it takes about, you know, about like, let's say eight to 10 years to fully eight to 10 years. I didn't say months. I said years to fully gristle over and heal uh, completely. Okay. It doesn't mean you can't get back in the game, can't perform at a high level, et cetera, et cetera. You definitely can but you have to take it into consideration and uh, program accordingly to that, or you'll constantly have these nagging back pains uh, or just re-injury as well. That, that is very, very common with back injuries. Person injures their back, they're okay for a few years, injures it again, they're okay for a few years, injures it again, and then eventually just the damage is so intense that they might need surgery or something of that sort, you know? Uh, but it's so preventable and at least from my observation, 90, 95% of people that have back pain definitely do not need surgery. They just need good, good coaching on spine hygiene, what they're doing to cause their back pain. Most of the time, it's just them doing it to themselves. And also just a good understanding of, of proper posture and, and mechanics and how to, how to build out a good workout program, which we're going to be covering here. But these are all so important in program design and pivotal before all these little details of the individual and pivotal before actually creating the person's program and giving them advice that will actually, actually work. 
Uh, so you can see you can really be misled going online and getting advice from, from random people online. I would say it does work well at times if you're already very, very knowledgeable in that area yourself. And then you can decipher the good information or you can take that information and also know how to apply it in the proper context with the proper intensity, with the proper frequency and for your specific situation. Because remember, uh, nature is a novelty generator. No quick answers here, okay? Nature is a novelty generator uh, and there are no two of anything, no two similar droplets of water, grains of sand, especially no two human beings, even if they're twins, I'm sure many of you know a pair of twins, how different they, they are, you know? They might look somewhat similar or fairly similar, but they're, if you look at the details of, of each individual, they're, they're completely different. So you can't, um, uh, you can't provide these quick, like, here's a quick solution for you, here's a quick solution for you, uh, which you inevitably will find a lot online because that's what gets the clicks, you know, those quick false hope solutions like, oh, just do this, just do this. I don't even know your situation or who you are, but here's a solution for you. And, um, uh, and they always also stated in absolutes. And just remember, if anyone states any kind of health issue in an absolute, like you must do this, it always works. Um, instantly, instantly do not follow their advice. There are no absolutes with even the most minor of health, mental or physical health issues. Uh, there are so many intricate little details if you really want to get to the etiology of that specific problem and solve it from there up, which is literally the only way to create la lasting change in anything, okay? Yes, it does take work. Yes, it does take the responsibility of being an adult, but it is what needs to be done to really see good results. And no one wants to do that, or a lot of people don't want to do that, rather. And that's why they never change. And you guys go to the gym. I'm sure many of you go to the gym very often. And um, look at the, all the people there. They look all the same. Year after year after year, they look all the same. A lot of them look all the same, rather. Probably 99% of them. And that's because they don't, they don't do the deep diving of creating a proper program for their specific needs. And they're kind of like winging it for the most part. And really just don't value their time. Because time is so important. And, um, you know, they're spending an hour or two hours at the gym every single day, probably five days a week, and looking the same year after year. And, and most of the time, their blood work sucks, too. They're kind of like chubby, you know? So it's like, dude, what, come on, spend your time more wisely. So back to our two subjects. We have two subjects here. 30 pounds over, both of them are 30 pounds overweight. Both want to gain five pounds of muscle. One has a bad HAQ score. One has a good one. The first one has back pain and the other one does not. So our next goal, now since we know these individuals, uh, just to, that was a quick summary, but now since we know these individuals, our next goal is to actually build out a program. Like how frequently should these people train? So typically when you build out a program, um, I'm going to use some industry lingo to sound more authoritative, but then I'll just break it down and make it sound super simple for you guys. So typically any workout program is broken down into like macro, these things called macro cycles, meso cycles, and micro cycles. In short, it's very simple. You have your quarterly goals, you have your monthly goals, and then you have your weekly goals, okay? So the quarterly goals is the macro, uh, the monthly goals is the meso, and the weekly goals is the micro, and that's it. So I'm gonna try to refer to them going forward as 
you know, quarterly, monthly, and weekly, because more people are aware of what that means instead of those, those industry lingos and stuff of that sort. Uh, so now, now we need to kind of build that out, just like with any company. You need to build out your quarterly goals, your and then your quarterly goals is like your your big picture. And typically, you have like uh, depending on how you structure your workout. Some people do it with three months for a quarter, like a macro cycle. I do it like for four personally. Um, so you would have four, uh, three quarters rather in a year. I'm sorry, three quarters in a year, and then you determine. Um, what are your goals for the whole year? And then how do you break those goals down quarterly? And then how do you break those goals down via month? And how do you break those goals down uh, via week? And I found objective measurements are key. Okay, so you have to, uh, you know, how many you want to lose 30 pounds? Basically, let's say that could happen easily in uh, four months, four or five months. Okay, no problem. So, um, and you can probably gain on a really good program five pounds of muscle in that time span as well, um, especially if a person is fairly overweight as well. So, and uh, maybe they're coming off of a back injury and they had a little bit more muscle to begin with, but it kind of uh, atrophied because they weren't working out, et cetera. So a little bit more details there than needed, but uh, basically you determine, okay, so objectively we want to lose like uh, 1.2 pounds a week, 1.5 pounds a week, which is very easy to do. And then you would, kind of space that out and then you would determine what the next goal is from there and then we would determine uh which type of strength cycles are they in so they're in the weight weight gym weight room for example here uh so typically you have a couple of different categories here you have hypertrophy gaining muscle you have absolute strength relative strength and power and depending on the person's goals, you typically would cycle through these categories. So, for example, uh, hypertrophy uh, is an intensity of about 75 to 80 percent. And intensity in, in this case, it's always measured by the amount of weight you're lifting, not like the exertion you're putting out mentally, for example, like grunting and stuff of that sort. Typically in, in weightlifting, just intensity is 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 indicative of how much weight you're lifting. So you do 75 to 80% of your, your maximum amount for a uh, hypertrophy program. And reps are important too. And typically what you would want to do is put yourself on an undulating program. So in simple, that's industry lingo again, but in simple, all you're doing is, is uh, basically cycling between two different phases, what's referred to as an accumulation phase and intensification phase. And then you go back. So it's like, Accumulation phase one, intensification phase one. Accumulation phase two, intensification phase two. And they all kind of build off of each other, okay? And typically, you need an appropriate amount of repetitions to, because these guys wanted to gain five pounds, for example. So you need appropriate amount of repetitions to actually build muscle. And how you would set that up is basically in a specific, let's say, Monday workout, you typically have these things called like a series workouts, uh, B series workouts, and C. So it simply means you do the A ones first, you do the B ones second, and then the, th the C ones third and C are kind of like, your A exercises are like the main lifts, your B are like supporting lifts for um, kind of supplementary or secondary lifts for the A exercises, and then the C are more um, like single joint mo motions basically, so like bicep curls, maybe training the neck, 
uh, et cetera, et cetera, or core as well. And for the A-series, you typically want um, enough volume, so 40 to 60 reps, okay? But here's where the intricate details are. Do you think subject one with poor, uh, with a low biological tipping point in his back can do that many reps? Possibly. It depends on which exercises you select for that person. He mentioned usually A-series lifts, especially on, on legs, for example, would be a barbell back squat in a typical routine. But this person said he was intolerant to barbell back squats. Subject A, the one with the back pain and the terrible HAQ score and 30 pounds overweight. So he said he was intol intolerant to uh, back pain. And a lot of times, if, especially if they have the, the tissues very sensitized, and especially if they're compression intolerant, um, just telling the person to do the exercise right is not enough. That would still cause them pain. Uh, what would need to happen with this person is you'd probably need to desensitize that, that pain trigger by teaching them spine-sparing movements. And that might take months before you actually phase them into a performance routine. I've had to do that with a few clients, and um, they're always eager to, to work out and jump into a sports kind of intense gym, gym workout, but their back can't handle it, you know, and it's like a bottleneck. And they're just setting themselves up for, for more and more injuries that way. So inevitably, you can see why these assessments are so, so pivotal and important And blanket statements or quick, like five to 10 minute assessments are, are not going to do it for you. That's why very few people actually see results from their programs. So, uh, but subject B can do 40 to 60 reps on an accumulation phase, for example. Okay. And then for an absolute strength phase, you do like 80 to 85% of your intensity, a relative strength phase, uh, 85 to 90, and then power, you do like 90 to 95% roughly. And the reps, range, the reps change as well. So for an absolute strength phase, for the A-series exercise, you do 30 to 50 reps. For relative strength, you do 40, 20 to 40 reps. For power, you do 20 to 40 reps as well. Uh, and then that's for an accumulation phase. And then after that's done, remember, you want to transition to an intensification phase. And the reps vary there. So intensification phase, you have 20 to 40 reps. For the hypertrophy phase, for the absolute strength phase, you have 10 to 30 reps. Relative strength phase, you have 10 to 30. And then the power phase, you have 10 to 20. Okay? And you have to determine based on uh, where you are in the program, the right range for that person within that interval. Uh, but you definitely don't want to be hitting too far above those numbers or too far below those numbers. Those are good general reference points. And then there's also like a spread. Like I mentioned in a macro cycle, you have uh, in an undulating periodization program, which I find um, a lot of success with using that with my clients. And you can go check out my website. Many, many transformations on there. And I just, I really rely on the undulating periodization program. It just works well to enhance recovery and also uh, not hit any plateaus. That's very, very common because one mistake people make is they're like, uh, let's say they do five exercises, eight to 10 reps on each exercise for five sets. And they do see really good results for like a few weeks. But then what happens is they just, they're like, this is just going to continue forever. And they stay on it after those few weeks and it's not and then they hit plateaus because you need to be cycling between rep ranges intensity ranges um etc etc to to break past those plateaus and just to 
have actual progressive overload because that's what's going to be very important, especially with these two subjects wanting to gain five pounds. Five pounds isn't too crazy, but uh, you want eventually to have progressive overload to keep seeing progress because uh, there's only so big your chest is going to be pumping out 30s, you know, 30 pound dumbbells, for example. You're eventually going to need to take it to a new level of intensity and allow your, your body to adapt to that new level of intensity. And of course, um, have appropriate rest outside of the gym and inside of the gym as well in terms of programming to allow enough biological adaptation to occur so you don't surpass that tissue's tolerance level and actually get injured. Um, so having said that, there needs to be a certain spread. So remember, we mentioned there are quarterly goals. So we have accumulation one, intensification one. So here, the reps are here. Intensification one, the reps drop down, but the weight goes up. Then accumulation two, the reps go up, the weight drops down. Uh, intensification two, uh, the weight goes up and the reps go down. And you see how it's cycling, it's undulating, but the spread is important too. So from accumulation one to intensification one, for, so from accumulation to intensification phases, you need about an eight to 15% eight to spread. And then from accumulation one to accumulation two, for example, you need a two to 8% spread. So for example, if you started on a hypertrophy phase for accumulation one, which we mentioned is between 75 to 80%, and let's say you selected the lower end, you want 75% intensity. So intensification one, we need to be at 83% intensity. And then accumulation two, we need to be at 77% intensity, or uh, remember I said two to 8%, so that's, that's up to you to determine. And then uh, intensification two would need to be at 85%. And you do this indefinitely, okay? And all this stuff is, is important to consider because if you don't plan, you plan to fail. Like you will not achieve a good result, a good physique, uh, just going to the gym, and winging it, like finding some random YouTube video and just copying that person's workout for that day, you won't. And uh, I'm sorry to break it, but break it to you, but I'm just trying to save you time here because you're going to do that for a while. You might see some great results for like a week or two, uh, some minor results, probably not even that great. And then you're going to plateau because you don't have this bigger picture, this grand strategy and how to implement that grand strategy in the proper context frequency, intensity, uh, to be able to do that. Can you? Yes, but you have to learn all this stuff, okay? Uh, or simply just hire someone that knows it as well, obviously, you know? So um, I'm a, a big believer in being your own mechanic, but you'll find that with intense study, you're always going to reach out for mentors eventually anyways. Uh, it's just how it works because um, nothing beats experience, you know? So uh, especially good experience that has been proven with a lot of uh, client testimonials and stuff of that sort, okay? So all those things are important, and all of those things will vary depending on subject one and two. So that's important to consider, especially with that back pain patient. One is obviously clearly, subject two is clearly overall in a better place than subject one. So subject one, I wouldn't even probably even put him on a performance phase. I would do like a reconditioning phase basically correcting all the pathologies most likely fixing the poor posture desensitizing the back and then which could take sometimes months it could take sometimes months and then phase them into a performance program that'd be the more appropriate thing to do 
especially with the general pop population. It's one thing when you're dealing with professional athletes, they have the championships in three weeks, you know, then, well, shit, uh, you got to figure something out. But when you're dealing with like an office worker, for example, that like, it doesn't matter why push it and risk it, you know, just do it, do the right thing and take the steps necessary and correct those pathologies and desensitize that area, teach the person how to um, basically avoid mess, continuing and mess themselves up and kind of go from there, you know, that's what needs to be done. Um, and to do all that, you need a proper assessment, which is kind of what I'm hinting at. So that's why people get lost with following a lot of information online, especially a lot of information online is contradictory. You have this one expert that's like a PhD, MD, um, whatever. I don't even care. A lot of times those degrees don't even mean anything. Uh, I've met some of the, some of the most intelligent too, but some of the dumbest MDs also and PhDs and, um, whatever PTs, uh, a lot of times those degrees are irrelevant, uh, especially if you run into a person that's been burned out on their occupation, just doesn't even care at that point. And my opinion is I don't know, I don't care about how much you know until I know about how much you care with service health providers, because uh, if they don't care about you, they're not gonna do the due diligence needed to really uh, help you see your goals through in the best way possible and hold you accountable to that. So. Uh, those are all important, and one thing I've found to work great for recovery and injury prevention is to also implement deload weeks. These are kind of my favorite. I'm actually on a deload week right now myself. You can do this a couple of different ways. I actually found just decreasing the intensity and volume to be most beneficial for myself and a lot of my clients. A lot of people keep the same volume, but they decrease the intensity, um, stuff of that sort, but I find it it's like a good mental break to not have to be at the gym for like an hour and a half, you know, or sometimes two hours and have at least a deload week, one week, which is typically the last week of a phase, like an accumulation phase, for example, where you, um, you just, you can be there for 30 minutes, get a good pump and then get the hell out. You know, it's a good mental break as well. Uh, stuff of that sort. So, uh, and it can give you some more years on your training instead of, uh, last thing you want is just to be going a hundred miles constantly all the time. Ideally, you want to be, you know, progressively progressing up, increasing intensity, but then take a little dip with that deload week. Allow that central nervous system to relax a little bit. Allow those joints to take a little bit of a less, a uh, little bit of a break, and then ramp it up in the new phase once you go to uh, intensification phase, for example, and then kind of go from there. So there are the secrets today, quote unquote secrets. Uh, it's all out there though. Uh, it just depends on two things guys uh best advice is get a game plan together get very clear on your goals first okay get very clear on your goals and then get very clear on where your starting point is so um if you're for example want to train if you want to have like a a super great physique okay like ripped chiseled good muscle density but right now you have a chubby stomach and a chubby chest. Okay, then the first goal, the primary goal is to have to de lose that body fat and focus mainly on that, maybe a little bit on the muscle side, because a lot of times I get people that are like, well, I wanna gain muscle, but they're already just very, very overweight. 
and um, they don't even know they're overweight because kind of being overweight has been normalized in today's society with nine out of 10 people being uh, metabolically unhealthy, nine out of 10 American adults, although you could be skinny and metabolically unhealthy as well. Keep that in mind. Uh, but I think I saw a study recently where it showed like basically uh, half of Americans right now are either diabetic, like pretty much type two diabetic or pre-diabetic, okay, which, which is freaking startling. And uh, that, is, that is a super crazy number to think about. So the first goal for a lot of people is always gonna be just to, you need to lose your body fat into like a healthy level and look at me right now, I'm like probably 11, 12%, okay? I'm like very, very lean. And most people are like much, much heavier. You pretty much don't see anyone as lean as I am on the streets, rarely. They do exist and there are people in far better shape than me. I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal. Just kind of given a reference point. Uh, because a lot of times people are just kind of confused about whether they should even lose weight or gain weight. 99% of people need to lose weight, need to lose body fat, and quite a bit of it. On average, I would say about 20 pounds, uh, which sounds crazy, but uh, it's just not normal to have that, that breast tissue and that, that lower ab body fat and stuff of that sort. So you'd want to lose that first, and then you want to ideally roughly maintain a, a reasonable body fat percentage, somewhere between, I would say, like 10 to 15%. It really depends on what kind of look you're aiming for. And then just go on the lifelong bulk where you're just gaining, gaining lean, lean amount of muscle mostly until you reach your desired uh, look. And then you kind of just maintain from there uh, and stuff of that sort. Uh, but context is key. You could become your own mechanic. You could learn all this stuff, but just know it's gonna, it's gonna require a lot of time and a lot of education. And most likely you'll end up paying thousands and thousands of dollars for courses as well. Um, because that's where most of the comprehensive programming and, and knowledge is anyways. And then eventually you're going to have to reach out to mentors, which I've reached out to many people myself also. Uh, but if you're not willing to do that work and become your own mechanic, you're, you're just simply going to have to hire someone if you want to see meaningful change in the gym, because, um, just kind of getting free stuff off YouTube or, and stuff of that sort and taking it out of context and not having like a grand scheme or plan um, if you don't plan you plan to fail as the saying goes and the better the plan the better the chance of success obviously okay so good luck on your journey guys um, we're on Saturday there are a few good movies out I forgot what they are though uh, but I'm gonna go try to check them out and um, and wishing you guys the best okay thank you for showing up I saw a bunch of other people showed up Sal good to see you Tai Oak, sorry if I pronounced your name right, uh, wrong. I'm terrible at these things. Richard, Jim, um, I saw Charlie jumped in as well. Kenji, haven't heard from you for a while, but good to see you. Uh, Gennaro, Stephen, Doug, good to see you. Elias, Helbert, Paul, Kyle, Alex, uh, Dennis, Randy, obviously good to see you as well. Um, okay, guys, have a good weekend, okay? And remember, as I always say, put yourself first and stop letting the world change you and your health and fitness goals become very, very easy and consistent. And there's a lot less sabotage than once you stop letting the world change you and stop letting the world putting you 
a distant second all the time. Because remember, if you want anything to last long term and you not to be miserable in the process, you have to make sure your needs are met first. Because if not, you'll go disgruntled towards the job, the relationship, or whatever the hell you're, whatever the hell else you're trying to accomplish, okay? And even if you do make it to quote unquote the success, um, you'll be miserable and full of disease and obesity and who wants, who wants to be in that position, you know? Okay. All right, guys, best of luck and, and great to see you. Thank you everyone for jumping in. Take care.